Salford Red Devils independent fan podcast with me, Dan Robinson. Joining me this week, as always, is Rob Parkinson. Good evening, Rob. All right, Dan, you all right, mate? Yeah, good. Are you, Rob? You okay? Yeah, good. Easter's coming. House is full of chocolate eggs and toys, and uh, it's a really good family occasion. I'm going to let me, gonna have to get my son a couple of toys because uh, I'm in too much fun uh, with mine. Uh, but yeah, Easter's, you know, we're here and we're all ready for some rugby league. Certainly, I'll have to get him a rugby shirt, I think. Yeah, that's, that's the plan, Dan. Good man, and also joining us is our away day red Paul Whiteside. Hey lads, you all right? Good, how are you, Paul? You okay? Yeah, I'm doing fine, mate. Can't wait for Easter. Excited for the two matches. Yeah, you recovered from your trip from uh, Hull KR on weekend. Yeah, just about, just about. Uh, it's one of those, one of those games, wasn't it? But I'm sure we'll chat about it in the show tonight. So over to Rob to tell us what's coming up on the show. Yeah, this week uh, we're going to be talking about the Hull KR defeat. We've got news coming from the club. Uh, we've got the amateur review. And we're going to preview the Catalan game on Good Friday. Fantastic. So I think we should make a start with the news. news. Okay, so moving on to the news, gents. First big news coming from the club is that we've uh, been announced in the fifth round Challenge Cup. And we've got Hunslet away. Uh, what do we make of the draw, boys? Yeah, I think it's a good draw for us. Um, we've, we've avoided the, the Super League signs, haven't we? Witness all care and Wakefield. And we've avoided Lee as well, haven't we? So... Um, it could have been better being at home, but I don't think there's any. We shouldn't be have anything to fear going to ones that really in the championship one, aren't they? So uh, should be hopefully a comfortable win. But I think we should take it. You know, each game in the cup, take it. You put your best, put your best side out, and uh, take every game as if it's the final. Yeah, you know, I totally agree with that. I think you know, there's, there's some good draws in the Challenge Cup, and I'll, I'll go through the Challenge Cup draw now. You've got Wakefield Trinity Wildcats uh, entertain Sheffield Eagles, Hull KR against Oldham. To lose against Lee Centurions, Rochdale Hornets against Widnes. We travel to Hunslet Hawks. You've got Halifax against Lock Lane. Nice to see an amateur side still in the cup. You've got Batley Bulldogs against Featherstone Rovers and Dewsbury Rams versus York City Knights. And I think, gents, one of the standout ties there has got to be the Wakefield game against Sheffield. Because Sheffield have been doing quite well this season so far, Rob. Yeah, it's going to be a tough game for Wakefield. Sheffield are going to be there, you know, open to move a point. You know, former Challenge Cup winners. Um, it's going to be a tough game, and that's what the Challenge Cup's all about. It's all about, you know, fan, the fairy tale stuff uh, and the little clubs getting a chance and to knocking off the big clubs uh, off the perch, Dan. Yeah, and another uh, good tie there is Toulouse uh, entertain the Leeds Centurion, so they've got a trip over to France. Um, so, yeah, what do you make of that draw, Paul? Yeah, I think that was the telly game as well, the Toulouse uh, league game on Saturday on, on Sky, I think it is. But yeah, Toulouse have made a really good start to the season, haven't they, in the Championship one, you know, a new side. Um, I know they were they were played over here a few years ago in the Cup, didn't they? I think they beat Witness, didn't they, a few years ago when uh, Justin Morgan was their coach. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they did, yeah. So that was probably about 10 years ago or so now. But um, I think they got to the quarterfinals, semi-finals, if I'm not mistaken. But um but yeah, I think that'll be a really tough draw for, for Lee going over to France. I mean, you've got the travelling there, haven't you, and what have you, and you know, it's the, the cup and anything can happen. Like you said about Sheffield as well, I mean, look at when we played them last season in the middle eights, they were a really well-drilled side, and they what, scored a bit about 50-odd, 30-odd, but that was a game we could have lost last season, so I've been, I've been really impressed with Sheffield over the last few years, with Mark Aston coaching them, and uh, you know, I think they, they could uh, could provide a shock there, definitely. But, uh, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Cup. It's like we were saying, it's like the Holy Grail for Salford, isn't it? And, you know, it'd be, be, be great if we could have a good run this, this season. Having been knocked out, you know, last season in the first round. I think we went out in the first round the season before. So, we've not really had a good Cup run for a few years. Yeah, I think it'd be good. And, you know, the Challenge Cup uh, confirmation from the club today that we will play Hunslet Hawks on Sunday, the 17th of April with a 3pm kickoff. Uh, tickets will be priced at £15 for adults, £10 concession and £5 for juniors. Uh, once we get the tickets from the Rugby League and Hunslet, 
Uh, they send them over, then they'll be on sale in the club. So, yeah, you know, I, I think a good cup run this year uh, will be really good for us. You know, we've we've had a few romances with the Challenge Cup, haven't we? Especially the 96 when we played Wigan. And again, you know, I think with the confidence of the team that we're playing um, at the moment and the players that we've got, you know, I, I can see us, as Andy Gregory said that day, you know, as long as it's at home, we can beat anybody on our day, Rob. Yeah, that's what the Challenge Cup's all about. It's all about, you know, being the best team on the day. Uh, and hopefully, you know, Salford, uh, with a relatively easy time, the first round uh, will give, be given confidence to, you know, fell bigger giants along the way, Dan. Certainly are. And the club have also announced some more news coming uh, that they're looking to help set up a trust for the academy. And if anybody is interested in helping that, whether it's sponsorship or just general helping, uh, you can contact the club. And the person there was Stuart Pendlebrae. And his email address is stuart.pendlebrae at thereddevils.net. So, you know, the, the academy side of things with Gareth Carvel and all Forever Reds are getting involved in it, like Sir Shirley Bradshaw and people like that. So it's a good step for the academy and it's a good step for our youth as well, Paul. Yeah, definitely. If you go through the, the Super Leagues and Super League started and have a look at the sides who've won it, it's no mistake that those sides have all got good academies. When you look at Leeds, St. Helens, Wigan, they've all got top academies, haven't they? They've all got top amateur setups and uh, things like that. And, you know, I know Marwan's like, he fancies it now, doesn't he? That, you know, bringing the youth on and things like that, that he said. But I think sometimes it, it, it's not a process that can be done overnight. You're talking with, with the youth, it's a process that's done over sort of 10 or 15 years. If you look at Leeds, the youngsters they brought through over the last 10 years, that process was started by Dean Bell sort of in the mid-90s and they sort of saw the fruits of it 10 years ago, didn't they? So I don't think it's something that you can rush, but it's definitely um, it's a massive, massively important thing as far as I'm concerned, the youth policy. Yeah, because like you say, I mean, you know, we've, we've, we spoke about it off air uh, with the likes of, you know, the Wigan side. You know, you look at their side at the moment and they're starting 13. 10 or 11 of those players are born and bred from Wigan or, you know, from their amateur setup and their sort of academy, you know, graduates have all been brought through. And, you know, it's like a, a continuation of a product line that they're bringing these players through. You know, Leeds are doing the same, St. Tellens are doing the same. And I think it's you know it's something that we need because you look at some of our players this year that have stepped up. You've got Ryan Lannan, you know that's been you know there and thereabouts in in most of the games. You know he's he's got a couple of you know tries under his belt with pre-season and so on and so forth. And you know Niall Evalds, I mean he started right through the junior academy. And okay, he might have had a shaky start this year so far, but you know he's been one of our consistent performers. And it's it's nice that we can say that we've you know we've brought him through. The setup, and he's now performing at a, a you know a high level, Rob. Yeah, you know your youth policy is a massive thing in any club, uh, and we've obviously you know we're trying to improve ours. We've got you know youth coming through now, Dan, uh, and it's only going to be good uh, for the club in the next few years. Obviously, Marwan uh, is looking to invest at both at both ends of the club, and you know having a good strong youth policy, uh, you know, is only going to benefit. Yeah, it certainly is, and uh, I believe there's a meeting on Friday after the game in the marquee outside uh, the stadium, uh, so the Forever Reds. Uh, and the Foundation Trust, uh, you've got Gareth Carvel, a few players are going to be there to discuss information on that. So if you are, you know, staying after the game, get down there and see if you can help, whether it's sponsorship, whether it's, you know, just helping in general and, you know, help move the club forward, which is fantastic. And uh, speaking about our Rising Stars, there was awards this week at the club for the Rising Star Awards, uh, which was fantastic. I'll go through the winners of some awards for you. Uh, you got best trainer for the under-15s was Harry Saxton-Martin. You've got the best trainer, Tier 2, goes to Kieran Jones. Uh, best trainer, Tier 1, goes to Ben Mosley. Uh, players player goes to Tyler Dupree. Under-16s coaches player of the year goes to Josh Whitehall. And the main Rising Star award went to Jordan Burns. So congratulations from everyone on the podcast for the uh, the junior side. And, you know, they've been our junior sides have been doing quite well over recent seasons, Paul. Yeah, they certainly have. And just mentioning Gareth Carvel and the good work that he's doing there, I'd also like to mention Alan Hunt, who I thought did uh, did wonders with the youth set up in the academy. I mean, we took a bit of flack, didn't we, last season about the academy and people saying we don't produce youngsters. But I think we're doing really well. I mean, like you mentioned before, Niall Levels there, Ryan Lennon, the Warren brothers. But you've just got to look in the Super League as well. There's, there's T.O. Farge in there. There's uh, Stefan Ratchford, Jordan Turner, Mark Sneed. You know, there's, there's quite a few of them floating about at, at top Super League clubs as well. Who've and they're key the... players for their teams, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, of course they are. So I, think, key players. I think we don't blow the trumpet enough sometimes. We have produced some good players. I mean, I can look at sort of Old Kingston Rovers. How many players have they produced over the last few years? Probably not as many as us. So, I mean, sometimes we should take pride in what we've done up to now. And, uh, you know, 
let's just hope Gareth can can uh, carry on with the good work that he's doing because the under 19s are doing really well at the moment and did well last season. So I think I think there's a lot for us to be proud of there and to look forward to in the future. Yeah, and I agree. And I think you know I, I know Marwan sort of uh, mentioned it at the start of uh, the you know last season where the times of Salford selling the best players are over. You know, and you've mentioned there like so Mark Sneed, Stephen Ratsford, you know all these players that are now going on to you know, in their eyes, bigger and better things. And, you know, they're trying to win trophies and awards with their respective clubs. But, you know, hopefully we've still got these players that are coming through and we can keep hold of them now, Rob. Yeah, it's totally, you know, it's up to, obviously, the club to keep moving forward. Players who want to play for ambitious clubs. Uh, and Salford is one of, one of them clubs who have got ambition to go to the next level, Dan. It certainly is. Um, more news as well. We've got uh, information about the Castellan game on uh, Good Friday at 3pm. Uh, the club have announced that there's only going to be the West Stand and the South Stand open on Friday. Um, obviously, with, with us playing Castland, they don't bring quite a big away sport. I think they could get about four of them in a minibus, couldn't they, from, from France all the way over. Um, so, yeah, I think the club have you know rightly acted upon this and you know only opened two of the stands um, to try and create a bit of an atmosphere, Paul. Yeah, definitely. I can't wait for Friday. Like we were saying off air before, it's, it's Easter. You know, you've got two games in shock succession. There's games on Thursday night. I mean, Friday I'll be watching the Salford game. I'll be taping the the whole derby and the Wigan derby. So uh, I hope my missus isn't listening, but I'll be watching them Friday night when I get home from, from Salford. So, yeah, can't wait for it. I've got a bit of time off work to watch all the matches. It's an exciting time. And, you know, for anybody who's sort of thinking about going watching Salford on Friday, I mean, just look at the side that we're playing. You know, some of the players that, that the Catalans have got in the side, exciting players like, you know, Todd Carney, David Taylor, you know, Willie, big Willie Mason will be playing. I mean, that's going to be spicy with, with him. You know, whatever team he's in. I mean, Carr's arguing in an empty house in money. So, it's going to be an exciting day. And, uh, you know, I can't I can't wait for Friday. Yeah, so the tickets uh, details have been announced by the club. Um, for pre-match uh, adult tickets in the West End, it'll cost you £25. But on the match day, it'll be 30 For concessions, it's 20 pre-match, 25 on match day. And for juniors, it's a £5 pre-book um, tickets and £10 on the day. You've got the South Stand, which is adults are £20 and £25 on match day. And you've got concessions of £15 pre-book, £20 on match day. And juniors are 5 and 10 So, you know, the club are trying to obviously encourage people to get pre-book tickets to save that extra, that extra money. And if you sort of work out about three or four tickets, you know, you could sort of buy three and get... Yeah, buy three and get one free in the end with the, with the money you're going to save. So, you know, it's important that we, we encourage fans to try and use this um, pre-book option and, and bring some supporters with us, Rob. Yeah, it's all about us, the fans, going out to our friends and our family, Dan, and, and, and basically selling the club. Uh, we're doing really well at the moment, and, you know, the fans out there have that nervous eye, look at the club and think, you know, how they're going, how they're going. And if we go out there saying, look, come and watch Salford, they're on a team on the up, come and watch us play. You know, that first game, it's Salford suddenly turn it on. You know, they'll be hooked for life, Dan. Yeah, I think they will. And I think it's important that we try and get a lot of these supporters back. Because like you said, you know, the club can promote and promote and promote. But it's up to the supporters, you know, to encourage more people to come along. And like, like we said a number of times, if everybody could bring one sort of friend with them or, you know, a person that, you know, maybe has never watched the game of rugby league, you could say, well, you know, I'll say, well, give us 20 quid. I'll, give, I'll get you the ticket for the game. You can come with me. Enjoy the sort of facilities. Enjoy the pre-match game. Um, pretty much warm up, you know, everything that comes along with the game and sort of try and create a good sort of family fun day for the, you know, the supporters, Paul. Yeah, definitely. And we've been we've been doing really well, I think, at home. And if you go back to last season when Justin Harris left and, and Ian Watson took over, I mean, we had we had a really good run at home, didn't we? And into the middle eights, we, we won all our own games as well. And this season, we've played St. Helens and wiped the floor with them. We had a really good win against Widnes and the game against Warrington, I mean, I know we lost the game, but... It was a cracking game, wasn't it? In a great atmosphere. So, I well, mean, well, it was a cracking game for a neutral support. I'm not sure about well, the Salford yeah, support. I mean, my, my head was in my way, hands a few times. Yeah, if you look at the way Warrington have destroyed other teams, though, I mean, we we ran them close by a point. I mean, they put 50 past Castleford last week. So, I mean, for us to get that close to them, to me, says that we, go, we were moving in the right direction. So, I mean, it's going to be a tough test against Catalan because, you know, you look at their side, they've got some star-studded names in there, but... I think it's going to be entertaining, definitely. So, uh, you know, get down there and watch it because it's going to be exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, that's the, the word from the podcast is to, you know, get down, bring some support with you, you know, whether it's a friend, a family member, get them down to the stadium and watch a, a cracking game of rugby on Friday. Um, moving on as well, the club have announced uh, details for the Easter Monday fixture against Huddersfield. Uh, tickets are on sale from the club. 
You've got adults at £21, concessions at 15 and juniors at £5. Uh, junior swaps are available at the club, but you need to collect them before Monday as they're not accepted to uh, purchase on game day. So it's important if you want a junior swap, you need to get to the club, preferably on Friday when you, you come down to watch the, the game on Friday, you can do it there and then. Uh, coach details have been announced for the Easter Monday fixture. It's uh, £13 for uh, a coach ticket there and back. Uh, that's all, all fares. You've got first pick-up at the Shandus Sports and Social Club at 12.15. Then you've got the Sovereign Pub, which is formerly the Inner Good Hope, at 12.30. You've got Ecclestown Hall at 12.40. And the AJ Bell Stadium at 1 o'clock, heading then to the John Smith Stadium in Huddersfield. So, you know, hopefully we can get a lot of support. You know, I think it depends on the, the game on Friday. If we can get a good result Friday, Rob, and we take quite a good support to Huddersfield, because last season... You know, we we almost filled the away end at Huddersfield. It was a good day out, and we got a win. Yeah, Huddersfield's always a good good away day uh, for many Reds, and hopefully, you know, if we do beat Catalan on Good Friday, uh, we'll take a travelling army up to the Huddersfield and and hopefully get a result there too. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, other news as well from the club uh, um, and the RFL. We believe the salary cap charges have been handed now to Marwan and the club's directors and financial people. So, you know, it looks like uh, that's going to be coming to an end shortly, and. You know, we'll find out what the, the sort of punishment is on that. Um, not sure what to expect on this, boys. I don't know what your opinion is on this, Paul. You know, what, how do you think it's going to go? It all depends whether we're found guilty or not, doesn't it, I suppose? To, yeah, from, that's from... the major thing, isn't it? I, th- I think, I mean, a lot of people have looked at it and said, you know, they've bought all these players. I know people have mentioned about the uh, the sports car that Niall Evald was given, and that comes under the salary cap issues. But I think it's just pettiness from from other teams and it's sort of been raised to the RFL and obviously they've got to do their job and investigate it. You know, Marwan seems to think we've done nothing wrong. So it'd be it'd be quite interesting to see what happens with the club, Paul, and, and where it goes. Yeah, I think you're right there when you say about other clubs and that. I mean, I've mentioned it before to you guys. I mean, I've got a bit of a beam on it about Bradford because their chairman's been very vocal about it. And, you know, I'm not one for slagging teams off and other clubs. I mean, I'm a lover of the game as well as Salford, but the way they've gone about it, I mean, it's not so long ago that, you know, Bradford was going around with begging bowls and buckets at grounds. Because well, they were doing it at the to... fixture against us, weren't they? You know, the, well, yeah. The, yeah. Super League, then, I remember sort of their supporters walking around with Save Our Bradford. And that was all due, due to, to mismanagement and spending too much money on players when they won all those trophies. And they had points deducted for salary caps and going to administration. We've never been in administration, so, you know, um, I don't know, really. It's... It's one of them. I mean, we've just got to wait and see what happens. But hopefully, we'll be found innocent and not guilty. But the sooner it's dealt with, the better for me. It's like a big black cloud hanging over the club, and it things like that, very negative. And you, you don't know what effect that has on the players as well. I mean, they'll say it's not affecting them, but you know, it's bound to do, isn't it? They'll be worrying about points taken off and this, that, and the other. So let's just hope it's done, dealt with, you know, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I agree with that. And I don't know what you think, Rob. I think you know a lot of people are saying that there could be a, a ten point, possibly twenty point deduction for breaking the salary cap rules but I sort of want to want to chat about I remember Wigan doing it a few years ago and and, and again I'm, I'm like Paul I'm not one to sort of you know slag other clubs and things like that but I, th- I feel that you know what's good for one team should be good for another and I know they were found guilty which you know if we do then then that's fine but I think their punishment was I think they got £10,000 fine and only four points deducted and it kept them up and they stayed up that year when they were really struggling when they signed Stuart Fielder and Michael Dobson and and plays like that. So, you know, I feel if we've been found guilty, we only need to be treated as fairly as other teams have when they've been in our situation, Rob. Yeah, I'd say that, Dan. Um, I'm sure 20 points is, is, is it would be crazy. I don't, I don't see us getting anywhere near uh, that if we are if we are found guilty. Uh, I'm sure Marwan's going to be sat there with his red wine, red wine, thumbing through the documents, looking to see what the RFL have to say, uh, and he'll be passing that on to his legal team uh, to defend him. Because obviously, you know, we have a right to defend you know, our situation and I'm sure uh, Marwan will come out swinging and, 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 you know, hopefully get the result he wants. Yeah, so, you know, I think it's just a case of watch this space and we'll see what happens with the news coming from the club and the RFL and hopefully it can all be resolved, you know, if we are found guilty then, you know, we have to be very disappointed. what punishment uh, given uh, to I'll us. I'll be very disappointed if we are found guilty, Dan, to be honest with you, because, I mean, Marwan, I mean, we don't want to slag him off like but you know, he's supposed to be running the club properly and if we are found guilty, I think he's disappointing and the supporters will be owed an apology, really, don't you? Yeah, but I get, yeah, I, you know, I do understand what you're saying there, Paul, but I, I do think it's a case of, well, let's, let's both parties sort of oh, yeah, go definitely. at it and then what the outcome is, you know, then we can sort of, 
reacts um, accordingly to how the fans we want can't, to we react. Can't really, we can't really say a lot until we know what's happened, but, I mean, it's, it's worrying times, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is, and, you know, I can understand the, the frustration of supporters, but, you know, I think the news from the podcast is just sort of watch this space and we'll see um, what what's coming out of it at the end of it, I think. Um, other news from the club taking place prior to the Leeds Rhinos fixture uh, across multiple venues uh, in Salford and Trafford. The uh, foundation will be hosting five festivals of rugby for age groups from under sevens to under 11s at local community clubs. So that seems like something that the club are doing um, that are moving forward. Uh, in addition to this, they uh, also be welcoming dancers from the Red Devils Dance Academy to perform as part of the match day entertainment. So I believe there's over 100 local children regularly attend sessions and this event will be their chance to shine on a big stage at the AJ Bell Stadium. So for more information on the club's activities in the community, including how to get your team entered into festivals, then please call a member of the foundation team on 0161 786 1591 or visit the website at www.salfordreddevilsfoundation.co.uk. So, gents, I think we've sort of covered uh, a lot of the news that's come out of the club from this week. Uh, information regarding fixtures, regarding salary cap, regarding ticket prices and so on and so forth. Uh, so I think we should be going out on to the whole KR review. You're listening to Devil in the Detail and this is your Big Match Review. So I'm going to chat with the uh, our away day red now, Paul Whiteside, about Sunday's fixture at the uh, KC Lightstream Stadium. I'll go through the teams first that were present on that day for Salford. You had Nile Evalds at fullback. Your wingers were Justin Carney and Greg Johnson. In the centres was Junior Sow and Josh Griffin. Halfback partnership of Gareth O'Brien and Michael Dobson. Your front row was Craig Kopjack, Tommy Lee and George Griffin. You had Ben Murdoch, Masilla and Josh Jones as your second row with Ryan Lannan playing loose forward. On the bench with Salford was Mark Flanagan, Adam Warren, Logan Tompkins and Phil Joseph. For Hull KR, the home side, you had Ben Cocaine, uh, Ken Co, Ryan Shaw, Ian Thorne, left former red. You had uh, Josh Mantellato, Maurice Blair, Matty Marsh, Adam Walker, George Lawler and Dane Tills. Chris Clarkson, Graham Horn and Mitch Allgood finished the starting 13. And for the bench for the Hull KR, you had James Greenwood, James Green, John Webster, and Robbie Mulhern. So we got off to a, a good start of the game, um, Paul. You know, with Craig Cox scoring the first try on the third minute and O'Brien converting. You know, and it looked like we were sort of, you know, ready to to put in a lot of uh, a lot of points on that day. So what went wrong? Yeah, it did. I mean, that early try from Craig Copjack. I mean, we didn't look we didn't look troubled at all, really. All Kingston Rovers. Um, you know, they looked they looked a poor outfit in the first ten minutes. We looked like we had the measure of them, but. I think we just got a bit too complacent, to be honest with you, Dan. And uh, you can't afford to do that. And Morris Blair, you know, was standing in at halfback. He normally plays second row for Old Kingston Rovers, but without um, Campesi and um, Albert Keller, the two first choice halfbacks, Morris Blair sort of led the show for them, and uh, we couldn't really ha- handle him. And he he scored after 15 minutes, and then after that, sort of towards half time, then it was just one way traffic. Okay, we couldn't really hold him. It was because I mean we managed to hold him out for for sort of uh, 10 minutes after. Uh, we got an early try, and like I said, on 13 minutes, Ben Cocaine crossed over, which was converted by Mantelato. Shortly after that, Maurice Blair, as you said, uh, again crossed over with Mantelato converting, which took it to 12-6. On 21 minutes, uh, it was a key try for them, you know, with um, Richard Horn going over, uh, which was converted by Mantelato, and, you know, that sort of took them to, to 18-6. And what did you, you know, did you see a reaction by the players, or was it just... They were going through the motions. Yeah, great when Graham Horn scored. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a walk in that from uh, Horn. And uh, yeah, we, we were struggling there. And then when Ken Seo went over just after that 24 6, you know, we were, re- we were really down down there. And, uh, you know, it, it was, I don't know, it didn't, Hulk Air didn't really impress me. It was just our complacency, really, there. And there was no urgency about us. And they just, some of the tries were really soft that was letting in sort of a lack of energy as well. It was, uh, it was disappointing to see, really, and we sort of left ourselves too much to do. 30 points to six, it got worse than when James Greenwood went over right on half time. You know, I was panicking then. I mean, we remember the 82-point defeat at Hull, and I thought, perhaps it's not going to be that bad, but we, I thought, we're staring down the barrel of maybe 60 points here, you know, 30 points at half time. But, um, no, credit to the lads. They came out in the second half. We got off to the, the best possible start with a try from George Griffin. 
Yeah, you know, and it was sort of all Salford then for the first three tries. Uh, but like you say, I mean, going back to half time, going in in the uh, you know the dressing room at, at thirty points to six down, uh, you know, against a team that let's like, you know let's not face it, are, are down at the bottom. That you know, we would have thought that scoreline would have been the other way around. Do you think the players sort of had a you know a premonition that they could just turn up and and you know Hulk AR and roll over, we get the two points and we'd come home. He seemed like that to me. I mean, you know, the week before we had a great win at Castleford. Um, it was a really hard-fought win at Castleford, and it was the, the the win at Castleford last week reminded me of the uh, the Easter game at Huddersfield last year. You know, when we ground out a win there, you know, we re- we were really physical with them, and it was a good, solid win. And um, yeah, I think perhaps we just thought we could we could roll up at Ulcare and, and turn them over and take the points. But you can't do that in in the Super League, I and mean, you can't even do that to like to Wakefield. You've got to, every result, every game, you've got to earn it, and you've got to go to the away grounds. There's no, there's no easy games, I don't think. Not for a club like us, anyway. So we're not a top two side. Are we? You can just go over and sort of roll teams over. We can't do that. And um, no, I think we was a bit complacent. And if, if you like that, you, the modern game now, if you start off slowly, it's very hard to um, to sort of turn that round. I think you start off lackadaisical. It's hard to get back into that, you know, the swing of things. And no half time there. I remember doing the, the report at half time. I was depressed at half-time. You know, what do you say to a side 30 points to six down at half-time? It's sort of damage limitation, really. Well, I think I think whatever sort of Ian Watson and Tim Sheens and the coaching staff said, you know, we we, we did come out in the second half. Um, you know, we did look a different side. We've got two quick tries with Josh Griffin going over on 44 minutes and 48 minutes, both converted by O'Brien. And then we've got a try sort of 64 minutes with Johnson uh, crashing over and O'Brien converting. And the, the game sort of looked to to swing our way. I mean, it got to 30 points to 24 at that point. You know, six points in it. You know, the comeback was definitely on at that point. And, you know, a lot of supporters thought that, you know, we were going to, you know, do this and, and take away. But I think you can't give, like you've mentioned, any team a 24-point lead at half-time and expect, you know, to, to go on and push forward. You know, a lot of other teams have done it in the past, but, you know, it, it was you know, quite a lackadaisical first-half performance. And obviously, after Johnson scored on 64 minutes, Ryan Shaw crashed over for them on 67, which took it to, to 36-24, which was that two scores, you know, ahead. And then I think on, when Mantelato slotted the penalty over on 72 minutes to make it 38, you know, 24, it sort of, I think we knew then, you know, it was a three-score game at that point And, you know, we'd, we'd done so much to come back into the game. Um, what was sort of the... The atmosphere, like in, in the away end, with the support, was it sort of, you know, did we get rejuvenated and then brought well, we back did, down we, again? We did. When when George Griffin, I mean, just give George Griffin a mention because I thought he was outstanding. I mean, because there was a lot of in and out performances I thought from certain players on uh, on Sunday. But two two blokes I'm going to give mentions to: Craig Copjack and George Griffin. I thought George Griffin ran his blood to water. He was absolutely tremendous. I mean, for a guy who's not the biggest prop in the world, he's he's progressing for me every week. He puts the tackles in. He backs up. He has got he's got a bit of pace as well. And I thought he worked really really hard on Sunday, and uh, I was pleased with him getting his two tries. But when Greg Johnson went over for that try to get it back to 30-24, which was a I don't know if you've seen it on the Super League show, it was a fantastic try. You yeah. know the ball the ball moved from one side to the other. I mean through about six pairs of hands. Lovely flick out pass from Josh Griffin for and Johnson finished it really well. And at 30 points to 24, then we was in that game, and I thought the turning point there with 15 minutes to go, it came from Naya Levels made a break down. Um, down the Salford left, and he just dislodged the ball in the tackle from Graham Horn, I think, who, who stopped him. And that, that to me, was a try saver because if we'd have scored there, you were looking at 30 points apiece then. And we were finishing that last 15 minutes with momentum. But it was sort of a 12-point turnaround, really, because we lost the ball and Ryan Shaw's gone down the other end and scored for OKR. And then they kicked the penalty goal and they've just got themselves sort of two scores in front. And to me, that was the, the game-changer, really. Yeah, I mean, on 75 minutes, Copjack got his second of the, you know, the, the day with O'Brien converted and again you know a lot of supporters thought with five minutes to go it's 38-30 if we could have got another quick try to take it within two points you know any penalty within you know the, their half of the field O'Brien's kicking that well we, you know we could have got a draw out of it yeah. in the end but obviously you know in 80 minutes they Matty Marsh crashed over for them you know, converted by Mantelato to set the final score to 44-30 and you know it was a it was a, a struggling afternoon for the Salford side yeah, he was, and that that try from Craig Copjack, I'll just say that Gareth O'Brien conversion is probably the quickest conversion I've ever seen. He literally scored the try and just 
booted the ball over straight well, I think away. he converted it before the referee even yeah, gave the try, it, didn't it? it was. It was such a, such a quick one. Like, quick, quick thinking. And just on great Gareth O'Brien, I mean, he's been faultless with the boot. He's faultless at Castleford. He, he kicked some... Um, a couple of kicks off the touchline at Cass and it was the same against Hull Car. so I think we found ourselves um, a regular goal kicker there I know we've had Dobson and Josh Griffin kicking haven't we this, this season as well from different sides of the ground but I think Gareth sort of slotted in there as the main kicker there but but yeah I mean we'd left ourselves too much to do really it was too little too late when Copjack went over and the thing is when you, you're chasing a game like that you're going to make mistakes and we had to sort of play that cavalier sort of rugby chasing the game you know having to score a couple of tries late on and Really, I mean, I think the best side won on on Sunday. Okay, I deserve the two points. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were saying that you know Niall Evans looked sort of out of place. Really, is that something that you know? Is it a confidence thing for him because he's been left out? Or I think a lot of it is it the yeah. fact that O'Brien has been playing that good? He struggled to get in the side. Yeah, well, to be honest with you, I thought that uh, watching Evans on uh, on Sunday, watching Niall on Sunday, I I thought he looked a bit. What's the word I'm looking for? He, he didn't look comfortable to me on Sunday, but I think a lot of that's down to confidence. I think he's low on confidence. And he's, he's Matt Sharpness as well. He's not played, as he? He played in sort of the last 10 minutes against Wigan and he's, he's not had a, had a decent run in the side. So I think that'll come with time. He's, he's a good player and, uh, you know, I, I don't think we should uh, we should be too harsh on him at the moment. I think, you know, he needs a bit of game time and he'll get that. But, um, but you know, Gareth, against, against Castleford, he linked into the line brilliantly against Castle, I thought, from full-back. But it's a dilemma now. What does Ian, Ian Watson and Tim Sheens do on, on Good Friday? Do they play um, Gareth revert Gareth O'Brien back to, to full-back and perhaps bring Tommy Lee or maybe Mark Flanagan in at standoff? Or do we do we keep Evels at, at full-back? Do we move Evels to standoff? Because he played there as a youngster, didn't he, in the academy? So, you know, there's, there's a bit of a dilemma there this week. Yeah, you know, I think we've got a number of options. You know, I think a lot of people... Are... Uh, I know a lot of fans' perspectives are thinking about shifting O'Brien back to fullback um, because you know he's, he's going to evolve if we play fullback. He's going to come under a lot of pressure. Uh, you know they've got some big players that will put in you know quite a few shots when uh, you know a kick is put in and he, and he gathers it. Whereas O'Brien sort of got the the match speed so to speak. Um, you know, I bring Logan Tompkins on to start at nine and Tommy Lee in, in the halfbacks to partner Michael Dobson. So, you know, we've got a lot of options. Um, going back to the game at the KC Life team, who sort of, I know you've mentioned the likes of um, George Griffin and Copjack, but who else sort of stood out for you as a, you know, a, a person that sort of never gave him for the 18 minutes and looked like they could sort of change the game? I thought Josh Jones that you know looked all right on uh, on Sunday. I thought he made a, f- a few good runs. He looked he looked dangerous when he had the ball. Um, that's probably that's about it. Really, I've gone over Cop Jack and George Griffin with my man of the matches. Really, probably just shade to George Griffin with him getting his two tries. Mark Flanagan was on the bench again. You know he came on for Ryan Lannan, and uh, you know Mark's done a lot of tackling. He's worked really hard this season as well in every every game that he's played in. And like we were saying last week, he's, he's a quality player. So, uh, but, but the sort of the, the guy I'd uh, I'd go for on on Sunday was George Griffin. Really, I thought he was excellent. Yeah, I mean a lot of uh, Salford supporters obviously put him down for the man of the match as well as Copjack. You know, they said that they never gave in. Um, I don't know if you've got to hand there, Paul, any of our three-word match reports and man of the matches that were given out. I haven't, actually, mate, no. <laughs> Have you got any, Rob? OK, so the three-word match reports uh, this week, we've got first half flop, and that was uh, from, came in from Rajo. His man of the match was Griffin. Um, better second half, that was from Billy Boy. Uh, his man of the match was O'Brien. Uh, nearly a comeback. Uh, that was James, and his man of the match was Evels, and why, oh, why, uh, and that was Sam, and his man of the match was Griffin. Uh, but as you say, unfortunately, like I say, not enough, um, you know, time in a tank, and so we just weren't able to get the result. So we've got a lot of uh, interesting stats from the whole KR fixture on Sunday, so over to you, Rob. Yeah, top tackler, uh, Tommy Lee uh, with 38, George Griffin with 35, Ben Murdoch-Masselli with 25, uh, Paul, you know, the pack... Seems to be going and getting through a lot of work on on Sunday against OKR. Yeah, it wasn't. It was the usual suspects again, wasn't it? Craig Copjack doing a lot of work. George, George Griffin really impressed me on uh, on Sunday. I thought he was, I thought he was outstanding. To be honest, George, he scored two good tries, and you know, for a prop who's not the biggest in the league, he, he works his socks off every week, and he's improving every week, and it's it's great to see. And uh, you know, his brother also, Josh Griffin, out wide in the centres, has, has, has impressed me again this season. He's a player that, you know, um, he's first on the team sheet every week. Yeah, looking at the metre makers, Josh Griffin nearly made 200, 200 metres, 199 metres. Uh, Junior Sal made 107. Justin Cardi made 109. Justin Cardi, a wrecking ball of a, of a kick returner, Paul. Uh, you know, and he was in fine form on Sunday. 
you know, he's hard to stop, isn't he? He seems to take, you know, three or four defenders every time and, and it sucks defenders in, doesn't it? And then it gives you the, the chance for a quick play of the ball and get the ball that way. And that's when the gaps start to appear for you, like so Tommy Lee and uh, Logan Tompkins bursting through. So, you know, Justin Kahn is a, he's a good asset to the side. Yeah, good at the carries. Uh, Craig Copjack with 16, Justin Carney with 15, Michael Dobson seems to touch the ball a lot, 17 uh, this week, Paul. You know, he's our general, he's the man uh, that, that all the things go through, uh, you know, and he's, and he's becoming really a star of our side. He is. He's he's been been outstanding this season, Michael Dobson. It's great to see him fully fit as well. Last season, you know, he struggled with injuries, didn't he? He struggled with his fitness, and um, people were saying he's lost his pace and that. But I, I, perhaps he has lost a bit of pace. I mean, we all do as we get a bit older, don't we? But I think Michael Dobson's the linchpin of our side now, isn't he? I mean, especially on on the Good Friday against Catalan, we're going to need Michael to lead us round that pitch. You know, with his kicking game, Catalans are a big side, aren't they? If he can get them turning round and pinging them in that in goal area, I think um, that's going to be a, a vital part of that game on Friday. Yeah, and that's the stats for today. Fantastic. Uh, but yeah, so we spoke about the game. We spoke about some key players there um, that have given you know the attendance that day was six five nine three. Uh, quite a you know a good following from the away support. You, you said. Yeah, it was. It was a good following from the away support. I mean, it's been disappointing. I mean, I went there twice last season watching us. We've been been a hull last season. I've been a hull this season. I've been a hull about six times in the last two years now, and uh, we've not won any of them. But um, no, we're disappointed. But the, the supporters got behind them, and uh, you know, let's just hope we can we can turn things around against Catalan because I think we can. I don't think it's like I don't think we should be too disheartened with it. I mean, teams like that, you know, how many times have, have Salford been the fall guys and gone to a ground where a side's you know bottom of the table and not won for ages and they've turned us over? It's happened loads of times, but. I think you've just got to move on now. Hulk Howard, you were win, weren't they? So it was obvious something like that was going to happen. I mean, I didn't really fancy us to to win on Sunday, to be honest. But I think we can turn it round against Catalan on Good Friday, definitely. Yeah, well, let's hope so. You know, uh, we've got Catalan on Friday and Huddersfield on Easter Monday. You know, whether we can pick up the, the four points in both games, uh, you know, to collect a, a four point for the, the weekend, it'd be good. But I think, you know, realistically, if we can get to the four, you know, and at least come away with at least one victory rather than going into, you know, the next fixture after the Easter weekend, losing both of the games, uh, which I can't see us doing, to be honest. I think we'll pick up at least two points. No, I think I think so. And the, the next game after the Easter weekend, actually, is the, the televised game on the Saturday against Wakefield away. So, I mean, that's a winnable game, that at Wakefield. So, if we can, you know, if we can pick two points up there over Easter and then the Wakefield game, you know, it stands us in good stead, really. But, you never know when we've done it before. There's not many teams that do it, really, is there? If you look statistically, I don't know what it is, but how many teams actually win the Good Friday and Easter Monday game? You know, with a short turnaround, it's it's quite difficult. But we've got two games, you know, we're playing Catalan and Huddersfield, two sides that have had sort of an indifferent start to the season. So uh, I don't see why we can't, but I think it's all about Good Friday first, and it? it's going to be tough. I, you know, I've seen bits of Catalan this season, and they've been a bit in and out, haven't they, really? I mean, they got tonked at home to Hull. Um, they lost a close game to Warrington, but they've had they had a good win at weekend at Huddersfield, didn't they? They, uh, they won there quite comfortable. So you don't always know what you're going to get with uh, with Catalan, but they've got some talented players. They've recruited really well for this season. You know, you look at Richie Myler's gone in there, and as we said before, David Taylor and uh, Jody Brought, and they've got some good players, haven't they? Yeah, they have, and you know we'll talk about that next as we move on uh, with the next part of our show where we'll preview this Friday's game against the Catalan Dragons. It's time for the devil of the details. OK, so we're going to uh, preview our Good Friday fiction. Now we're going to Catalan Dragons. I'll go through the sides that have been announced. So the 19-man squad, you've got Justin Carney for Salford, uh, Michael Dobson, Niall Evald, Mark Flanagan, Carl Foster, George Griffin and Josh Griffin, Greg Johnson, Josh Jones, Phil Joseph, also Chris Nickett, Tommy Lee, Ben murdoch Masillo, Gareth O'Brien, Junior Sow, Matt Southfield, Logan Tompkins and Adam Wall. For Castleland Dragons, their um, 19 man squad announced is Tony Gijo, Jody Broughton, Vincent Duport, Pat Richards, Todd Carney, former Red Richard Myler and Louis Anderson, Paul Ayton, Remy Caster, Glenn Stewart, Justin Horrow and Jason Battiere. You've got Dave Taylor, Julian Busquet, L.R. Pellissier, Greg Moonis, Thomas Bosk, Morgan Escari. And big Willie Mason. So, Paul, going into the fixture on Friday, how do you think we're going to get on? Yeah, I think it's going to be a really tough game, a really tough game. They've got a big pack of forwards, Catalan. They've got some match winners in that side as well. You know, you talk about Pat Richards, Todd Carney, Richie Myler. Yeah, they've got experience in the forwards as well with Louis Anderson. 
and he seems to have been around forever, doesn't he, when he played for uh, for Warrington. Uh, Glenn Stewart, the new signing, and Justin Horrell, Willie Mason there as well. So it's like a, a who's who of rugby league, isn't it, there, team? And that, you know, I, I'm always, always impressed with Paul Eight and the hooker as well. I thought he was a, a good player when he played at Leeds. I thought he was an excellent signing for them. And uh, Tony Gigo, the fullback as well. They've got quality players all over the over the pitch, Catalan. So uh, I think we we're going to have to be really on our metal to, to win the game. Yeah, I think we're sort of going to have to come out uh, right from the you know, the the first whistle and the first set of six, whether we're going to attack or defence and sort of set out a marker. Uh, you know, if we can perform the way we did, sort of Warrington up until obviously getting beat and then St. Helens, you know, and like we're saying, we're trying to create a fortress at the AJ Bell Stadium. You know, there's been quite a few teams that have come and turned us over at home and we need to be winning our home games, don't we? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like we're saying before, though, our, our home record over the last sort of, did like midway through last season. I mean, it was pretty good last season, wasn't it? Really. I mean, I know we had a bit of a bit a bit of a rough time with injuries, didn't we? Sort of after Easter, but you know, we picked it up in the middle eights. And I mean, this season we've only lost the one to Warrington, so um, we're not too bad at home, are we? So, uh, but and, and just on the Catalan as well, we've played them four times at home since we moved to the AJ Bell, and we've not lost to Catalan yet. They've not won at Salford. Uh, oh, Stadium, don't say so. that, Paul. You just put no, the no, one no, on I'm now. just saying. We, we normally do all right, don't we, against them? So um, let's just hope that can continue. I mean. They've not beat us at home since the, the the final game at the Willows, have they? So we've got a good record against them. They don't always travel well, do they, Catalan? So uh, I mean, last season I don't think they I think they only won once away from home last season. So um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a really tough game, but um, I don't see any reason why we can't turn them over. Can I just chirp in there just for a second, boys? I just think it's a massive game uh, for Salford. I think it's a game that if you know if we're looking at finishing that top eight, you've got to beat uh, Catalan at home. It's simple as that for me. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know the boys are going to be up for it. Uh, after last week's, you know, disappointment, and I'm sure they're going to be up, fired up uh, for a good Easter period, Dan. Yeah, I agree with you there, Robin. And, and where do you think, Paul, that the the game's sort of going to be won or, or lost? Is it going to be, you know, confronting up the middle with the forwards, or we're going to have to see some smart backline play to get us over the finish line? I think it's a bit of both. I think you, you're going to have to be on your metal in the forwards. I mean, if you look at the the game on Sunday against Hull Care, I think they've got a big pack Hull Care, and I thought they bullied us a bit on the on Sunday and got on top of us and that's where games are won and lost aren't they you need your forwards going forward you need your forwards to set that platform that's what gets your field position that's what gives you possession and that's how you win games isn't it simple as that really and you know yeah, Catalan, yeah, it is, yeah. Catalans have got a massive pack haven't they and, I mean they're, they're going to mix it aren't they like Sir Willie Mason Louis Anderson they're, they're going to come here Dave Taylor they're going to mix it with us aren't they and the thing is for me we don't want to get dragged into that arm wrestle I mean you look at Warrington I thought Warrington mixed it with us in that second half and they dragged Ben Murdoch Masala into a bit of a Bit of an arm wrestle, didn't they? And Justin Carney uh, as well. So uh, we we don't really want that. We've got to sort of uh, come out of the blocks and set, like you said, set a marker down. And we can't afford to go thirty points down like we did against Full Car. So it's important that we we get off to a flying start. I think. Yeah, and like I said, I think that the start, you know, has got to be be crucial for us. We need to get on the front foot right from the word go. Um, and I think sort of Dobson's kicking game, I think, will be, you know, a, a massive plus. Uh, on Friday, because you look at sort of the players that are going to return in the ball, you know you've got sort of uh, you got full back, you've got a former Reading Jody Broughton who can really, you know, we know what he's capable of doing. Yeah, Pat Richards. I think, Pat Richards, yeah. So I think it, you know, it's going to be vital that we have a good kicking game. You know, I think Dobson's going to have to step up and, and really be counted on Friday because whoever he's going to partner, you know, he's going to have to, you know, concentrate on their game rather than trying to concentrate on putting the team through uh, you know, its paces and he's going to have to take a leading role on Friday. Yeah, I, I personally, I think our backs are better, better than theirs man for man. I think the likes, you know, Carney, uh, Johnson, they made big yards, uh, you know, big kick returns. Um, and it's all about, you know, squeezing the pressure on Catalan. I don't really fancy getting into a forward battle, like you said. It's just all about, you know, using what we've got, which is pace and power out, out wide uh, and hopefully, you know, getting an advantage of that, Dan. Certainly is. So we're going to move on to uh, score predictions now, gents, for Friday. I'll come to you first, Rob. But how do you think uh, it's going to go Friday? Well, I'm, I'm hoping that you know they'll start well. Uh, you know they have started well in the last you know couple of games. Salford. Um, I'm hoping that with a home crowd, uh, Easter Friday. You know, Good Friday. Sorry, people are going to be you know up for the game. Uh, Atmosphere is going to be fantastic, uh, and I'm going to go uh, for a 30 points to 18 Salford win. And moving on to you, Paul. How do you think it's going to pan out Friday? I've got no idea, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I made a prediction at the Hulk AR game last week at 22-8. So, I mean, don't come to me for predictions. Don't put money on my predictions. Anyway, the bobbins. But 
I don't know. I was thinking in the week um, after the uh, after the Hulk R game, perhaps it's going to be a tight one. This and not many points in it, but I just can't see it. The way we're playing at the moment, I, c- I can see us scoring points, and like we have done for the last few weeks. And the way Catalan play, I think there's going to be points. So I'm going to go for Salford 30, Catalan 20. Right. Well, to be honest with you, there, Paul, that was going to be my score prediction as well. I had us. I've got us written down on my notepad uh, for 30 points to 20. Um, I think it's going to be a close game throughout. But I think with it being at home and with our record against the Dragons at the AJ Bell Stadium, I do think we'll come out on top. And a you know home advantage against a team like Castellan is massive because they've got no support there to cheer them on. You know it's all down to them. And I think if you know the the loyal Red fans can get on top of the you know the Castellan team and, and encourage our boys, it'll be a massive you know we'll act as the 18th man, Rob. Yeah, you know the fans are a massive thing, especially on home on a Good Friday. Uh, you know. Catalan are going to be coming to to the AJ Bell Stadium, and they'll be looking to obviously cement their you know place in the, in the in the top eight. And it's up to us to get a result. If we want to compete with these top teams week in week out, it's up to us to go on home and win against Catalan Dragons. That's that's the up or down of it for me. Well, it is, and the, you know the the boys on the podcast have obviously said that we're going to have you know a resounding win for for Salford right across the board on all three of us. Um, once you've listened to the podcast, if you want to sort of send us your score uh, predictions, and we'll try and get them out uh, on the on the pages, our social media page, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and so on and so forth. Uh, it's been great that the you know you listeners out there have been sort of interacting with us on the social media sites, and we've been getting all the information. Uh, we've been sending pictures out of you traveling to the game at the game, and so on and so forth. So you know, like we say, we are supporters of the club that do sort of run these pages for you, the supporters of the club as well. So, you know, if there's anything that you think we can improve on or, or anything, then, you know, by all means, drop us a, um, a message. Where can they contact us, Rob? Yeah, you can find us on Devil in the Detail, SRD, uh, on Facebook, at DITD, SRD on Twitter, and you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and RLInternetRadio.com. Brilliant. So that's the uh, preview of the game on Friday uh, covered. We're now going to move on to... Um, Paul, who's going to do our local amateur results? Yeah, Salford Red Devils under-19s played on uh, Thursday against Castleford Tigers at the AJ Bell Stadium. It was a tight affair. Castleford shot into uh, to a 16-0 lead, but Salford Red Devils came back to actually take the lead at half-time, 18 points to 16. Uh, Castleford, in the in the end, ran away with it in the second half, scoring a couple of tries, and it finished up 34 points to 18 to Castleford full-time score. The Salford Red Devils under-19s lined up as follows. John Whitaker was at full-back, Jake Knox was on the wing, Ben Calland and Alex Gaskell in the centres, Elliot Kane on the other wing, Aaron Moore and Lewis Fairhurst were the half-backs, Jack Cottington, Declan Gregory, Liam Bent, Adam Jones, Lewis Hatton and Chris Worrell made up the pack. And on the bench for Salford under-19s were Johnny Scott, Tom Millington, Harry Madders and Lewis Gregory. So it was unlucky for Salford, uh, Red Devils there, going down 34 points to 18. We've got some results from the National Conference Leagues and the North West Men's League. The National Conference League, Division 2, Salford City Roosters 22, Bradford Dudley Hill 24. Uh, Salford City Roosters are still on the lookout for their first win. It was unlucky again, Salford Roosters, they were, they were in front in, the, in that match. Um, Bradford Dudley Hill scoring late on. A couple of tries to, to win the game, 24 points to 22. Roosters had a, a, a late try disallowed for a, a forward pass and, uh, like we said, we're very unlucky. The Roosters lined up as follows. Paul Morgan, Tom Smith, Andrew Muscat, Christian Higgins, George Kemp, Bradley White, John Brooks, Mark Jones, Lee Salisbury, Mark Gillingham, Tom Pratt, Mark Thomas, Mike Foster, Will Rigby, Ben Connor, Martin Judge and Steve Barry. In the North West Men's League, Division 1, Goulburn 14, Folly Lane 46. Division 2, it was Oldham St. Anne's 18, Layla Warriors 34, Manchester Rangers 14, Bury Broncos 35. We've also got a report for that game. It was a, this was another tight affair, um, this game. Bury Broncos scoring in the first half through Harry Coleman. The Rangers hit back with a try from Andy Taylor. and It was half, a half-time score of 7 points to 6 uh, to, the, to the Broncos. In the second half, though, the Broncos running away with it was tries from Liam Sixsmith, Simon Paling, Chris, sorry, Charlie DeLume, Sean Thorne and Joe Wilkinson. Josh Hill added a try for the Rangers and Jordan Green kicked a goal. The attendance was very good, um, 358 there, cracking attendance, you know. They really are building something there at the Rangers. 
the final score for that game was Manchester Rangers 14, Bury Broncos 35. In Division 4, it was Bury A 26, West Horton Lions 26, Garswood Stags 22, Little Holton Reds 18, Manchester Rangers A 20, Eccleston Lions 48, and the Rochdale Cobras beat Culchith Eagles by 40 points to 6. In Division 5, it was Ashton Bears A 24, Salford City Roosters A 0, Caddies Ed A6, Liverpool Lions 42 and Langworthy Reds 6, Oral St James A62. Well there's not many fixtures this weekend with it being the Easter Easter period but uh, there is one fixture between Bury Broncos and Blackpool Scorpions, that's a North West Men's League Trophy preliminary round. Um, The draw has been made for for the North West Men's League Trophy, the draw is as follows. Uh, the North West Men's League Challenge Cup is Wigan Springview versus Hindley, Thato Heath Crusaders A against Halton Sims Cross, Goulburn Parkside against Hares Finch, Haysham Atoms against Hindpool Tigers, Clockface against Bankkey Bulls, Ashton Bears against Shevington Sharks or Bamber Bridge, West, Witness West Bank against Oral St James and Wigan St Patrick's A against Haydock. The North West Men's League Trophy draw is Leyland Warriors against Wollstone Rovers A, Berry Broncos or Blackpool Scorpions against Crossfields A, Wigan St Jude's A versus Wigan Wigan Bulldogs, Manchester Rangers versus Burtonwood Bridge, Ryland Sharks A versus Pilkington Rex A, Halton Farm with Hornets versus Oldham St Hans A, Lee Minor Rangers A against Bold Miners, Chester Gladiators against Widnes Tigers, and the North West Men's League Shield draw is Bolton Mets against Caddyshead Rhinos A, Little Hutton Reds against Eccleston Lions, Oral St James A against Berry Broncos A, Runcorn against Colchef Eagles or Chester Gladiators A, Manchester Rangers A versus Liverpool Lions, Clockface Miners A versus West Horton Lions, Ashton Bears A against Garswood Stags, and Rochdale Cobras versus Salford City Roosters A. We also had some results in. Oh, sorry, those ties, before I forget, will be played on Saturday the 16th of April. We've just got a couple of results left in the Student Rugby League. Uh, Lancaster 4, Salford 44. And in the College Rugby League, it was Salford City College 40, Carmel 16. And it's a great start for Salford City College in the Northwest College Rugby League league table. They played 4 1 4 and are currently joint top of the table. So that's it. We've come to the end of this week's podcast and devil in the detail uh, my thanks to both the, the boys for joining us tonight Rob and Paul thank you cheers Dan no, no problem mate no problem so we'll all look forward to Good Friday and Easter Monday uh, the boys are going to have a quick chat on Saturday to uh, preview the Huddersfield game in more detail with team selections and so on and so forth so the word on the uh, the podcast is get some fans down bring a friend down on Friday and hopefully we can pick up the two points that's devil in the detail Over and out.